judgment is death for all eternity without hope, without breath. Oh, what an amazing mystery, what an amazing mystery that your grace has come to me.
lawbreakers and thieves for the worthless the least you have said that our judgment is dead for all eternity without
If you washed away my vanity, if you took away my words, if all my world was swept away, would you be enough for me? Would my beating still sing If I lost it all Would my hands stay lifted To the God who gives And takes away If you take it all This life you've given Still my heart will sing
Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Good. Good. All right, well, welcome to Cottonwood Bible Church. We thank you very much for joining us today. Um, just a few announcements here as we get started. Uh, of course, if you're a visitor with us today, we'd like to just uh, share with you that we have a Bible study in Sunday school in the morning at 9.15. And then following that is a, a snack time fellowship over in um, the multipurpose building over there. Uh, so you can join us for that, and you can get to meet people, and uh, a lot of great fellowship and some food over there as well. And then our morning service, of course, starts at 10.30 here uh, in the sanctuary. And then also on Wednesday nights, we have uh, a gospel care community group uh, that begins um, from 6 to 8, and there's dinner, and there's also uh, a book study we're going through right now. So you're more than welcome to join us for that. Um, so, But if you are visiting with us today, I do ask that you fill out uh, that white card that's in the seat back in front of you. That just has a little bit of information on it. It just helps us to get to know you a little bit, and uh, just put that into the offering plate um, as it comes by at the end of the service here today. Um, so as far as the announcements go, oh, one thing uh, we didn't mention, it wasn't up there. Uh, there is a women's Bible study tonight, and that's um, 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, and then that's at Miss Julie's house, correct? Yeah. So if you guys would like to join that, you're more than welcome to. If you need directions, uh, please let Judy or Julie know. Okay. Um, other than that, we have... The conferences that Jim's been uh, mentioning in the past few weeks, those are coming up here. Um, you have the women's conference on Friday. That's this Friday, and then Friday and Saturday as well. Uh, you have uh, the main conferences. That's for the biblical counseling for the, uh, let's see, what is it? Discerning God's will, how to make biblically informed decisions. So, uh, And Jim can give you a little bit more information about that if uh, you have any questions about that there. Uh, flyers in the back uh, of the table as well. Other than that, a um, couple things there. Oh, you want to do that one? Oh. And then I'll do the next one. Sure. Um, so the YBA annual meeting is uh, going to be next week um, on two, the yeah, 30th. Two, two weeks. Two, two weeks, weeks from today, yeah. right? So two weeks from today, so yes. that's the following week after yeah. that. Conferences are this week. There you go. The meeting is next week, yeah. Uh, that's at Beaver Creek Baptist Church at 5 p.m. If you guys need directions to that, uh, you can contact this guy over here. Yes, uh, at Beaver Creek Baptist, we're having the, the YB annual meeting. If you are going to go to that, please let me know. As a matter of fact, um, I would need probably one of you to actually go to that because I'm not going to that. Uh, we have the Jerome Bible study that we've been doing. So we had uh, our first meeting last week. We had four uh, locals there. and. Nancy Parks joined us, so it was nice to have Nancy there. We went and picked her up, and uh, uh, so we're having that tonight. So we're having that every from six to seven. It was a great time. So thank you for praying. Please keep praying. Pray that we'll have a few more people be there, and and we'll see God do a work and and see people come to Christ. Right? That's what we want to see. Um, uh, the other thing we want to make mention, uh, and then I'll get through some. Uh, um, uh, even more important aspects as well. There's going to be a special call members meeting next Sunday. Um, I know how much you love looking at the Milky Way galaxy up on the screen. You just go, 
wow, it just reminds me of the stars. But sometimes it kind of gets in the way of things that we have up on the screen. So we want to be sensitive to some of you that have a hard time with that. So uh, we're talking about updating our media equipment. And that would be one of them is taking care of the projector and redoing that. Uh, so we need to have a special call members meeting to do that type of purchase because that type of purchase could involve much more money than what's given to us in our financial policies as, uh, as a church, Cottonwood Bible Church. So again, for all you members, if you would, just stick around. Just a few minutes after our service, uh, we'll have our uh, special call members meeting so then we can uh, discuss that, what we want to do in reference to the um, updating our media equipment. Uh, I think that's everything, right? I think so, yeah. A couple other things I want to make mention. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, if you're curious about Scottwood Bible Church, we do a, a little thing called the ABCs of CBC, the basics of Scottwood Bible Church. We basically look at what's, what's important to us as a church, what we value, um, our doctrinal statement, our church covenant, and our constitution. Those are things we look at. So if you're curious about that, speak with me. I'd love to get with you, meet with you, talk with you. We can set some time together where we can meet. What's most important to us as a church, though, what's most important is the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we want to be a church that's centered on the gospel, saturated with the gospel, is influenced by the gospel. And so if you're here and you don't know what the gospel is, you don't know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus or one of his followers, you can talk with any member. They're more than happy and more than qualified to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus or feel free to talk with me after the service there in the lobby I'll be there just greeting people as you go out the door um, uh, don't skeet out too fast but uh, uh, talk with me about what it means to be a Christian love to do that so those are our announcements uh, this morning and so let's stand and we'll sing come Christians join to sing Christians join to sing Alleluia Amen Loud praise to Christ our King Alleluia Amen Let all with heart and voice Before His throne rejoice Praises His gracious choice Hallelujah, amen.
Once again, Father, we come before you and thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to be in your house today. It is a great joy to be here and to confess my need of you and our need of you as a body, Lord. We present our requests before you and we thank you, Father, that you hear our requests and that you will honor them and you will get much glory through them, Lord. So we just thank you for this opportunity to be in church today. Thank you for Jim. The message he has for us today, he's going to do wonders with three verses today and expand it into a great theme for God's glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing. We're going to read together Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way, without threatening them, because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Please be seated. thought all words with heavenly comfort fraught whate'er I do where'er I be still tis God's hand that leadeth me
Let's stand. Whatever my God ordains is right, His holy will abideth. I will be still, whate'er he doth, and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road, he holds me that I shall not fall, and so to him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. Whate'er my God ordains is right, He never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path, I know He will not leave me. I take content what He has sent, His hand can turn my griefs away and patiently I wait his day his hand can turn my griefs away whate'er my God ordains his rise though now this cup in drinking may bitter seem to my faint heart I take it all unshrinking my God is true each morn anew sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart and pain and sorrow shall depart sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart whate'er my god ordains is right here shall my stand be taken Though sorrow need or death be mine, yet am I not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. 
Sovereign Father, we are so thankful we can submit ourselves to your perfect, wise, awesome plan and purpose for us in this world. When life seems so uncertain and unsure, when life seems to unravel, chaotic, your sovereign freedom brings us such great comfort. It brings us joy, satisfaction, and empowerment. And we praise your eternal Son whom you destined to purchase our salvation, the salvation of your people by your great mercy. We will not fall thank you we praise your name hear us this time as we pray together as a corporate body we pray and thank you for Ethan may he look to you to find true joy and satisfaction especially when you try him when you refine him like silver or gold Keep him from regarding wickedness in his heart. Instead, increase his fear and awe of you, offering himself to you as a sacrifice of praise and thanks, his thoughts, his words, his actions, his future, everything. Thank you. You do not turn away his prayers. Remind him of your steadfast love for him in the Lord Jesus Christ he relish and how much mercy you have shown to him we pray as well for another church at this time we're praising you thanking you for Summit Bible Church in Chino Valley and Eric's faithfulness to the gospel be gracious to them as a church bless them cause your face to shine on them we ask you use them for your glory in Chino Valley so that your ways may be known that the people will see the salvation of your elect. Let them praise you so that the people around them will come to fear you, worshiping the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for Eric once again. May he love Lori, Victoria Paisley, his two girls, three girls. Make his heart sensitive to the word. Gracious to your people. Refine him as silver and gold. Grow him to be a pastor who loves your people. Sensitive. He who stands firm. Who's gracious and yet holds to the truth. We thank you. We are a part of a church where we have a heart for each other, for other churches, and for the unsaved in our town, in this world even. And we pray for a small country of the Congo Republic and yet another country where the government is corrupt which takes advantage of their people 
abusing its authority and oppressing their people. Major poverty, but even worse, a fake Christianity. Superficial and nominal. We pray. We pray you will bring true justice to the corrupt governments through the proclamation of the gospel. The true, pure, unadulterated gospel. And that your believers, your people, your elect will proclaim this pure gospel. So that there will be true conversions to Christ. We pray especially for the thousands of young people that live in Congo Republic. May you, you turn their hearts off to your truth. But we also pray for our brethren. Help them to be faithful, to endure, provide for them. May they be gospel-centered. May they have a heart to reach out to their own people. Protect them from discouragement and despair when they feel the weight of the corruption of that government and the weight of poverty that's there around them. And they are experiencing that. Make them healthy and strong disciples of Jesus. Growing in grace. And give them, we ask, give them pastors who truly know you and truly love you and will truly love your people. And will lead them in truth and grace. Speaking the truth in love. And we pray that among us you may send some to go to this dangerous area risking our lives for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of our brethren and Father for us who are here this morning together give us hearts and attitudes of humility, grace service and endurance we pray this by the authority of Jesus Amen please be seated If you would take your Bibles and go to First Peter. First Peter chapter two, please. If you're visiting with us, there's a black Bible in the chair in front of you. <clears throat> and if you pull out that black Bible, go towards the back and find page one hundred and eighty-one. 181. One Peter chapter two. First Peter two verse eighteen through twenty. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 20. We're going to study that this morning. First Peter 2, 18 through 20. <clears throat> I'll read the passage. <clears throat> Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to those who are good and gentle, 
but also to those who are crooked. For this is grace. If for the sake of conscience toward God, one bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right or good and suffer, patiently enduring it, this is grace with God. The movie, The Birth of a Nation, just came out. I think it was just this past week or last week. It's a movie about the rebellion led by Nate Turner in 1831, African-American who was a slave. His rebellion killed 60 white people, 60 white men, women, and children. There's even an account where one of his colleagues slaughtered an infant in her sleep, a baby infant. It created major hysteria among whites. Laws were passed to keep this from ever happening again. And actually whites, they killed 200 blacks, many of whom had nothing to do with the rebellion. A horrible thing in our history. I haven't seen the movie but if you look at the history about Nate Turner, interesting. He based his rebellion on the visions he claimed to be messages from God. He was convinced that God had given him the task of slaying his enemies, i.e. whites. And his rebellion included more than 70 African American men. And then you come to our passage. Kind of ironic. As we come to this here, by God's grace, Christian weirdos, who are we? We're wise, winsome weirdos in this wicked world. We're going to see from our passage today that Christian weirdos submit to their social authority. This message probably won't be in vogue. Christian weirdos submit to their social authority. That's what we should be known for as far as Peter's concerned. A couple statements for you. Uh, Christian weirdos submit to their social authority patiently trusting God even if they end up suffering unjustly. What's interesting here too is that Peter is actually going to twist things and turn it to not only talk about servants, but then he's going to branch out and really talk about all Christians to the point where we can say Christian weirdos patiently trust God when they suffer unjustly, period. Any type of suffering that's unjust, we patiently endure it. If you do that, you're a weirdo. Because in our culture, that's not how you roll, right? You do what you can to change your situation. We're called to live in a way that displays God and His excellencies, putting off sinful desires and having excellent conduct by submitting to the government, which we looked at last week, 
and by these house servants submitting to their masters. This should be our default response, our default position. <clears throat> but what if you're a servant and your master is unsaved? Or is crooked or abusive? Then what do you do? Interesting, Nate Turner said he had these visions that God was telling him to slay his enemies. How does that jive with Scripture? The danger of letting your experience override truth. What does weirdo Christianity look like when it comes to servants with their masters? Not this master, but... Christian weirdos submit to their social authority trusting God and His plan. Okay, you, we have things in place uh, in our culture. Uh, the equivalent of this command to us today is the employer-employee relationship in the 21st century. Even though obviously there is more to being a servant in the 1st century than being an employee in the 21st century. I get that. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But it most likely applies to this. And I get there's some things that you can put in place as an employee. Uh, uh, employers are treating you like this and this. And you can use the rights that are given to you. But what if you can't do any of that? Then what do you do? Or what if you do all that and nothing changes? Peter tells you. You submit to that. And as I said to you earlier, Peter will then use this as a stepping stone to launch into any kind of unjust suffering and the call for us to patiently endure it and the call for us to emulate the Lord Jesus who suffered too. That's next week. To submissively embrace the treatment we receive as Jesus' followers, unjust suffering, pleases and worships the Lord uh, not only because it, it pleases and worship him, that's why we do it, but because our Lord himself embraced it for himself. Since he embraced unfair treatments, we should imitate him. And that's what we'll see next week. So by way of introduction, all that, let's jump in. First, submit to masters. <laughs> not this master, but the master's yeah, you know. Verse 18, servants being submissive to your masters. Let's talk about servants or slaves. Servants were household servants who were well educated with positions of responsibility in a house. It was actually a position many Christians held. And when you think of slave, you automatically think of African Americans uh, 1800s. That's what we think of, right? And it, like that in the first century. It wasn't like that then. As a matter of fact, first century society was based on this kind of slavery. Artisans were like this. Laborers, teachers, doctors were even thought of as servants or slaves. Uh, most servants were well treated, trained in domestic, industrial, business, and even public tasks. though the most common business relationship in the ancient world, their economic independence, it was lower than others in Roman society. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yet, their living conditions, living conditions for these servants in the ancient world was better than for people who were free living on the streets. 
uh, they would be cared for, had enough food, a place to sleep, they were warm and filled. Those were slaves. So, the New Testament endorses slavery, right? Not exactly. Not the way we may think of it. Someone who has dark skin for low-level jobs, that was our history in this country and throughout the world even. The horrible things that they would go into African continents, grab the African natives, throw them in the bottom of a ship, they sail to the new world and half of them would die, the other half of them would become slaves. That's what we're thinking of. Not the way we think of slavery. But wh- why, why doesn't Peter talk about, or why doesn't Peter endorse freedom? Why didn't they do that? Because social distinctions didn't mean much to them. Because of their relationship with each other in Christ. See, we need to understand something. They were more concerned with how to live in those positions that they found themselves. Instead of trying to change those positions. We're more thinking about how we can change our position. They were more thinking about how do I live out the gospel in the position that I'm in. It doesn't mean that they weren't for being free versus slave, but that wasn't their focus. Peter says nothing about taking action to rid slavery, but it doesn't mean that he, he thinks it was right. But you look at what he says, servants, be submissive. The same verb that he uses in verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. The same word, which submit means place themselves under, obey them. Which makes them vulnerable, right? Especially with masters who took a perverse delight in torturing their servants. So what does Peter say about them? Submit. And notice the motivation. Our motivation, fearing God. Service, be submissive to your masters with all fear or in all fear. Now, you might think that this is connected to the masters, not this master, but they're one who's overseeing them. Not so. This does not refer back to the master. It actually refers back to God. As a matter of fact, when Peter uses that word phobos in the Greek, there's two words for fear or honor. There's phobos and timao, or teme, which means to honor. This can also mean honor or fear. That can mean honor or fear. When Peter uses phobos, he always makes it in reference to God. Here he uses the word phobos. So in other words, servants are not to fear their masters, but to have reverent fear for God. This is the only thing that's going to keep you sane. It's the only thing that's going to keep you from going nuts. If you're in a position where you're suffering unjustly, we have to have the mentality, God, I fear you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. This is the motivation for me to submit. This is the motivation for me to obey. 
This is the motivation for me to subject myself under. So servants, out of fearing God, obey your masters, who have total authority over you, but you're trusting God in His plan for you. Obedience to their masters comes out of reverence and awe for God. In whose sight they live, they live for His glory. Friends, we live for God's glory. Our conduct should be based on and motivated by fear of God, especially when it comes to facing unjust suffering. It should be based on and motivated by fear of God, especially when it comes to facing any type of unjust suffering. And notice, he starts telling you some bit to what kind? What kind of masters? Notice, he says, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. Actually, the word means crooked. So, not just to the gentle, considerate masters, but also to the crooked, twisted, harsh, cruel. Some masters were considerate and kind. Others were harsh toward their servants. And not just physical things, but dishonest with their pay, dishonest with their conditions. I know none of, this, none of us have ever experienced things like that before. So this means how we live is not determined by the character of an employer for us in the 21st century. It's determined by God's Word. By what God's Word says and our attitude towards God. We will fear God. And as we'll see next week, by the life of our Savior and how He responded to this kind of suffering. But you don't understand. What he did to me is totally, completely, absolutely unjust and wrong. What's the first question that comes to your mind? Are you saying justice doesn't matter? Peter, are you saying justice doesn't matter? Are you saying just let people walk all over you? I had somebody say that to you before. Oh, Christians just let people walk all over them. If you're going to obey this and you just let people walk all over you. No, on the contrary. If we have the right attitude, God will walk all over them. Right? I mean, think about it. We're not saying justice doesn't matter. We're saying God is the final judge and He will settle accounts perfectly. He will. I mean, doesn't He see does he not see the injustice that you're facing in your job? Does he not see, or he's caught off guard? Oh, oh, what am I going to do? That happened. Oh, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do? Well, I don't know. It was your idea. Oh, that's what we think God does. He planned it. Do we not believe in his sovereign decree? Do we not believe that God decreed all things? We just, if, if, if it's happened, then it means it's decreed. 
It's all according to His sovereign, gracious plan. Here's, here's the million dollar question. The million dollar question. When we face this kind of stuff, what will our attitudes be? How will we respond to God? Will we submit? Will we fear God? That, that's, that's the million dollar question. It's hard. It's not easy. And I don't think Peter assumes it to be easy. We'll see that even more next week with Jesus. He knows it's not easy. Well, the, another question that comes to mind is why should we do this though? And, and Peter answered that question, why, in verse 19. 19 and 20, for this is grace. If for the sake of conscience toward God a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Interesting. Peter kind of um, changes things here. The next two verses not only deal with servants, but it goes beyond them and deals with any of us as followers of Jesus who endure grace while suffering unjustly. So what Peter does, he, he branches out and speaks to all of us who suffer unjustly enduring sorrows. He's branching out now. So not only maybe you're suffering in your job or things like that, okay, so it's, he's speaking to you, but maybe you're just suffering unjustly in general. He's also speaking to you. In the situation that you find yourself today, with job, with your money, with your finances, anything, how are you suffering unjustly? You didn't plan on this and it's happening. What do you do? Peter says, if you have the attitude of submitting yourself to those in the authority and you're fearing God, this is grace. You have the word favor in your Bible, right? The word is charis. It's grace. It says, this is favor, right? For this is favor. It means grace. This is grace. It has the sense of God's approval. Interesting. Uh, 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 Noah found favor with God. It's the same word, grace. He found grace with God. Approval. So in other words, God is flat out pleased when people trust Him. What it comes down to, God is flat out pleased when His people trust Him. That's what Peter's saying. That's, that's why. Because God's pleased with it. This is grace. This just, God enjoys to see us do this. And we trust Him in what He's doing. And he says something weird. If for the sake of conscience towards God, what does that mean? Well, it could be taken to mean one's conscience toward God in the sense of conveying an appropriate behavior based on an awareness of all that God has done and all that God requires. Or another way to say it, a trusting awareness of His presence and His care being aware of God. So he's saying, this is grace, God is pleased. If, as you're aware of God, you bear up under sorrow when you're suffering unjustly. 
So one receives God's favor or grace when suffering unjustly because she or he is aware of God. You're aware of what he's doing. You're aware of his plan. You're aware of his purpose. And you're going to trust him. A servant may receive insults, blows, beatings from his master. But we have certain behavior, certain conduct because of a conscience which is directed towards God. Another way to say it, our trust in God determines our actions. So for the sake of trusting God, which determines our actions, we bear up under sorrows, enduring any unjust suffering. That's what he's saying. God's pleased. He's pleased with us when we bear up under unjust suffering. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because we know this attitude pleases God. It pleases Him for us to do this. Well, and another reason we're going to find out, because it's the very life of our Savior, our Master, when He went to the cross Himself. We're going to see that next week. See, it's about trusting God with joy while enduring suffering, while patiently enduring suffering. This reminds us of Job. Did he do anything wrong? Not really. Remember, his life was blameless. Yet God had him suffer in such horrible, horrible, almost unbearable ways. But interestingly, you come to the end of Job, God rebukes Job's friends. You guys are clowns. You know what? You better talk to Job. And maybe he'll do an offering for you guys. Because I'm pleased with him. Wow. So God was pleased with Job. Submitting himself under this. In the midst of the sorrows. The weight of unjust suffering. This reminds us of Jesus. Peter will bring him up later. We'll look at this next week showing that the perfect one was killed unjustly. I mean, you want to talk about suffering unjustly? I mean, you want to talk about that? No one can claim what the Son of God can claim. Totally perfect, and yet He suffered and died on our behalf. He died for sinners. I mean, can anybody claim that? I mean, that's the heart of the Gospel. God should condemn us because we've broken his, his law and we're rebellious against him. And yet instead, he unleashed his wrath upon his son. Perfect, holy son. In the place of sinners. And to show that he was so pleased with him, he resurrected him from the dead. Repent and put your trust in Jesus. That's the gospel. So if you're here, you don't know Christ, that's the gospel for you. Repent and trust in Christ. Turn away from sin and trust in Christ. That's the gospel. Jesus is the epitome of suffering unjustly. That's why Peter will say later, Jesus is our, he's our example. I mean, do we really know what it means to suffer like Jesus suffered? Not at all. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy though. 
it's hard. But our knee-jerk reaction, but our knee-jerk reaction is to panic. Now is the perfect time to panic, right? That we want to panic. Well, that's why, that's why we need to ask for God's grace, isn't it? God, give me your grace to trust you. Our trust in God determines our actions. Peter says, this pleases God. When our trust in God determines our actions. 20. For what credit is there? Or what glory? Or what fame? This is glory, fame, reputation due to some great deed. What fame? What glory? What credit is there if one sins before God and the master gives striking blows and that believer says, I'm enduring through suffering. Peter says, big deal. You receive what you truly deserve. You receive what you justly deserve. Hey, I did such and such which is wrong. Why am I suffering for it? Really? Why is the IRS so coming after me? Well, because you didn't pay your taxes. <laughs> that normally goes hand in hand. There is no glory from God when we receive some kind of punishment for doing something wrong. That's what Peter's saying here. You sin and you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience? It's absurd to think that. Even though our society is a victim society and thinks they should be given fame for enduring such suffering, right? You get pulled over. Oh, look, I'm suffering. No, you're not, you clown. 5-0 just pulled you over. You did something wrong. I mean, come on. It's not like, oh, look, I'm suffering. They pulled me over. Oh, no. Oh, you probably did something wrong. Just take it. One does not deserve sympathy. Definitely no praise. And yet we live in a society that believes all authority is abusive, right? See, this is why you're a weirdo. Because you, 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 should, you should submit yourself to authority. They're a bunch of jerks. They, they abuse their authority. <laughs> yeah, they say that until they get in the authority position. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, that's, that, that's convenient for you until you're in that position of authority. And it's like, oh, I kind of like this. Huh? Yeah, I bet you do. But notice what Peter does. Strong contrast right in the middle of verse 20. But, Allah, if you suffer because we do what is right or, or good, the same word that he uses in verse 14 the same word he uses in verse 12. Verse 12, uh, keep your behavior excellent, conduct excellent, good. S same word. If you suffer because you're doing what's right, you're doing what's good, you're fearing God, you're submitting to this, and yet you suffer anyways, this is God's favor upon you. This is grace from God. believer will find God's favor as well as his sustaining grace if they suffer because they do what is good and right in his eyes you're fearing him now 
He may not experience physical abuses. That's kind of what he means by this. The physical abuse is harshly treated there in verse 20. But maybe you face verbal abuse, unethical rules, dishonest practices. They go back on their word. Well, that's convenient for them. Uh, they change their standards. They expect such and such, but then they leave you out to dry. Your immediate boss doesn't defend you. You ever had that happen? Your immediate boss says you do this. The, his boss says, why'd you do this? Well, yeah, why'd you do that? You're like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> well, God smiles when Christians who do what is good and right endure some kind of punishment from a master. God extends grace to his people and gives us joy in the midst of the trial, of the tribulation or suffering. God gives us his grace, his favor and his strength so we can say, whate'er my God ordains is right. Again, not simply because it's the right thing to do. It is. But because we fear God. And we want to emulate the eternal Son of God. Which we'll see next week. God calls us to continue to fear Him, honor all people, love the local church, and emulate conduct that displays our citizenship in heaven. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Remember, this is how Peter started this whole thing in the first place. This whole crazy weirdo idea in the first place. We are a people. We are citizens of a grace-filled, God-driven, compassionate, focused, Jesus-centered country. That's where I live. Is that where you live, Christian? I know you do. That's where we're from. And we're going home. And these people need to see this. So that way they can go home with us. So live like it. Be that weirdo. And for some, that's going to be threatening. But for others, it's winsome. It's attractive. There's something different about that guy. There's something different about her. You know, your boss screwed you over. That should have never happened. And you let that happen. You didn't say anything. Why'd you do that? Right? That's what happens. I went through... Um, John Piper has a, a web page, or excuse me, I apologize, a sermon that he did, I think, on this passage, uh, portions of this. And I looked at his practical implications. I tweaked it a little bit for, for us, but I want to share some of these with you. There's four of them. Four practical implications. They're just great. So I give him the credit, and then I tweaked them just a little bit when we suffer unjustly and we're patiently trusting God, uh, what, what happens? Number one, when we suffer unjustly and patiently trust God, we give up very precious things. Job, health, comfort, ease. Yet we show that we're valuing what God values, not what the world values. It's hard. 
Because when you decide to trust God in the midst of this suffering, you end up giving up these things. These things are precious values, precious commodities to our world. That specific job, that specific position in that job, right? That uh, uh, health or, or that comfort or, or that um, uh, certain salary level. I mean, that's where we want to attain to. Whichever. That type of ease. And yet, when we suffer unjustly and we're patient trusting God, we show we don't value those things. Those are the things of, those, of the world. We value grace. We value compassion. We value Christ. We value the gospel. Second one. When we suffer unjustly and patiently trust God, we show that we want God to shepherd us and sustain us. Not this world. We're the things of this world. No, we look to His Word for comfort. We find satisfaction in God's Word. We want Him to shepherd us. We want Him to sustain us. We don't look to the world. We don't look to the things of this world. We don't look to people to help us. We look to the Lord to help us. Third, when we suffer unjustly and patiently trust God, we leave our vindication in God's hands. On His time and in His way, just like Jesus did when He was sent to die for us. God will vindicate you, but not how you want to be vindicated. It's not going to be on our terms. Sometimes our terms end up matching with God, but most times it doesn't. Other times God vindicates you to vindicate Himself in ways that you would have never thought about. And it happens much later than what you expected. That's why I say, on His time and in His way. Because God's timing is not how we view it. It could be years later. I don't like that. I'll tell you right now, I don't like that. I want it in my time. My way, right? I know most of you don't think that. But us sinners up here, that's what we think. We want it in our time. I want it my way. But see, when we trust, patiently trust God, when we're suffering unjustly, Lord, I leave it in your hands. You see this. You see what's going on. You know that that's wrong. And I can't do anything about it. I can't do one thing about it. I can't say anything. Because if I say something, I'll condemn myself. I can't do that. I can risk my job. I can risk this situation. I can't do that. And yet Jesus did the same thing. Sent to die for us. Fourth, when we suffer unjustly and patiently trust God, we may be risking our own lives our very lives but we display God you're faithful and God you are trustworthy he is trustworthy he is faithful are we going to trust when we patiently 
and patiently endure the suffering. Unjust suffering. Our Father, help us. Not just in the jobs or uh, employment that we face, but, but beyond that. Maybe it's health, retirement. Maybe it's within a relationship. And we're suffering unjustly. Help us to fear you. Help us to patiently trust you. To value what you value. To look to you to shepherd us. To leave vindication in your hands. And to display that you're a faithful, trustworthy God. Who's slow to anger. Who's solid in your steadfast love. Take some time between you and the Lord. Time of silence to think and to ponder what we've gleaned from God's word this morning. And after a few moments of silence as we normally do, we'll do our time of giving sing our last two songs our closing prayer but take this opportunity to pray to focus pray for others pray for this church that we would embrace what God has had what God has spoken to us from his word this morning
This is going to be fun. We're going to sing Grace Unmeasured with I Surrender All. It'll be kind of weird, but you'll catch on. Let's stand. Will you stand? I'll sit.
thank you that when we surrender to you as we surrender your grace is there your grace sustains us it gives us strength to endure this unjust suffering and so we give it all to you Lord Jesus and we thank you you gave all of yourself on our behalf. What another motivation. Not just how we fear you, we love you, we worship you, but the motivation that we will walk in your steps, as Peter will tell us soon. We follow you, Jesus. It won't be easy. But we thank you. Your grace is there. never ceasing to thanking you for your great grace use us as your people work in us as a people as a church we may display that we are a people that show you're an excellent gracious unbelievably kind God Amen
Forgotten 